Hello and welcome to this edition of In Conversation With, the podcast from the Trinity Challenge in association with the Brunswick Group that highlights the innovators and entrepreneurs using data-driven research and analytics to prepare for the next pandemic. My name is James Dre and I'm your host, and today we're joined by Thomas Nyong'o and Kezia Kordo from Living Goods, an organization that provides a digital platform to link ill people who don't live near hospitals with community health workers. Thank you very much for both of you uh, for joining. Thank you for inviting us. Thank you. So um, as we get started, I wonder maybe, uh, Kezia, if you can tell us just a little bit about what the project involves um, and what is the background and how did it come about? Thanks, James. So our project really is um, about empowering uh, CHWs with the uh, tools, digitally en enabled CHWs. So what we do- Sorry, is... just tell us, um, uh, for our listeners who don't know, what is a CHW? Yeah. So CHWs are community health workers, and really they are health workers who, who work at the lowest level, lowest level of the health system, which is the level number one. CHWs are those uh, health workers who go into the households of our communities, uh, conduct um, health inform uh, education for them. They will identify, assess children who are sick. If they're not critically ill, they can provide treatment for them. And this is especially for pneumonia, mm -hmm. um, malaria, and diarrhea. And if they identify critically ill children, then they refer them to the health facility for further treatment and if it means that they'd be admitted. So basically what we do is we um, provide our community health workers with a um, smartphone. And this smartphone basically helps them to want to provide education to the uh, community members. It also helps them in identifying so that there's a um, like um, a tree, a diagnostic tree mm. that really helps them to identify the sick children correctly. And it also helps them in uh, providing treatment. And, um, and so that's basically what we do. And this data is collected real time. CHWs are also supervised by supervisors. So as they collect this data real time and they up, uh, and it's uploaded, then the supervisor is able to, to track the work of the CHWs, um, how many children they've been able to, to treat or assess and then support them where they're having challenges, then the, the supervisor will be able to identify that based using their, their um, tablet, which mm. has an app and a dashboard. So the mm. dashboard basically makes it much easier, very simple for the supervisor to be able to track the work that this community health worker is mm. providing in the community. And you, you, you're a doctor, right? And you've been a doctor for, for many years. Um, can you tell me a bit about what is so powerful about community health workers? You know, when I talk to people who talk about countries that have completely transformed their public health, over and over again, I hear them talk about the power of these frontline workers, these community healthcare workers. You know, why are they so important? Like, what do you think it is that, that makes them such an important variable in an effective public health system? 
Yeah. So if you allow me, I'll tell you a story. I know I've told this story before. I always tell it because it impacted me in a way. Yeah. Yeah. So there was once I was using public transport coming from work and going home. And um, it, it, it was in a small van called a Matatu. And then um, a lady came carrying a baby who was very sick and they happened to just sit next to me. And I could definitely tell that this child was severely dehydrated, really at the brink of death. And so I, I as they were really crying out, let's, let's drive, let's go fast, uh, to take us to the hospital. I took the opportunity to really ask um, what happened? Why is this child you know, in this state? And I learned that the child had started having diarrhea the day prior. They went to a private facility. They were given treatment. And then um, they went back home, but the child continued to have diarrhea, um, worsened, uh, taken back to the same uh, health facility. At that point, the child was critically ill. Mm. And then they were told go to the health uh, facility. So they didn't have transport. They had to use uh, public transport and take the child to the health facility. So where, why are CHWs important? One is they, how, how would they prevent this? And how have we been preventing mm -hmm. this from happening? Having sick children, very sick children, having to go to the hospital, right? So they go into the household. One, and they educate the mothers mm -hmm. on how to prevent these conditions in the first place. So the mother will know about hygiene, they will know about uh, giving the child clean water and even how to treat that water. Secondly, they go into households and these households are already, um, um, they know the CHWs. If mm -hmm. there's a problem, they'll call the CHW the community health worker to come and see the child. And so we also have early identification mm. of these common illnesses. So the CHW will go to the household, identify, yes, the child is sick, diagnose, quickly give treatment before the child becomes very sick. Mm. And so we've actually managed to save very many children this way. But not only is it the time when the household calls the CHWs, CHWs also go uh, to households to make visits, mm. right? It can be impromptu or scheduled. When they go, they assess a child, they find, oh my goodness, this child is sick. And they assess the child and then they treat the child. Mm. So mm. when I look back at that child who was very sick in public transport, really almost dying, I think back at how important it would have been if there was a CHW who taught the mother how to prevent diarrhea, how to treat it early, to mm, catch mm. it early before the child goes into severe dehydration and dies, either in hospital or on the way to hospital. So mm. CHWs have, have really played a major role in educating the public and treating conditions, mm. identifying the condition early, and then treating them mm. at the community level. Mm -hmm. It's a really powerful story and I think also reminds us the importance of those trusted relationships that uh, these are individuals that people know and they trust. I mean Thomas, you know one of the things I think is so amazing about your project is that you didn't discard this 
really effective delivery mechanism that is the community health worker. You didn't say, oh, let's just create a totally new digital solution that ignores the people who are doing the work on the ground. You integrated a digital solution with those people. Can you tell me a bit about where did the idea come from? I think, frankly speaking, we we just, you know, they say you you use tail. Eh? I think there's a common frame that you, you don't have to invent the wheel. You can steal it from other people. And if you're looking at many industries globally, digital is the way. And uh, I think just looking at it, whether you're looking at it from commercial setups, whether you're looking at it from international business, R&D, I think the key thing was really when we went on thinking, how do we infuse an element of both efficiency uh, around it, but also effectivity of this? And I, I just wanted to leverage that a bit towards mm. uh, uh, Kezia's answer around the need for a community health, uh, community health worker, uh, which really we, we didn't disregard. If you're looking at it at the sort of disease burden and at scale of what we are calling the non-communicable, which is in Africa, uh, by and large where we are, but also if you look at the, the trends, the NCDs actually are even popping up at a much faster rate. The incidence is even higher. And then you come and layer on COVID. So then you have many big problems at scale and how can you solve that? It's really just borrowing and thinking, how do you bring in digital so that then you can have those common frameworks one, as Dr. Kazia says, the decision tree, so in terms of simple diagnostic frameworks, building capacity, but also then be able to empower that level. Because again, it's also a very compounded problem mm. that uh, if you look at uh, the ratio of population to what I call doctors and nurses, is very, very few. So then how do you lay it down so that you build capacity within the setup who there is a number, they, they have the capacity, but also you leverage us on the trust. So I think it's just borrowing up from what we've seen happening one globally, but also borrowing from what I call more robust, more innovative uh, frameworks mm -hmm. in, in private sector, really, and then bring it into, into healthcare in Kenya. And uh, I think, not, uh, of course, not just Kenya per se, but I, I, if I talk a bit of as an organization of scaling it in many places, you also know, and Kenya is an example that we've done a lot of work in and success in digital money transfers. So yeah, which is uh, been very exciting. So part of that is brings to those learnings as well. Thank you. Yeah. No, I know. I think it's uh, Kenya in many ways is the was the world leader in digital money transfers, and everyone knows the story of Mpesa and like the amazing success of of that Kenyan uh, sort of originated project. Mm -hmm. And I think what's also interesting in this this whole Trinity challenge is seeing how people are bringing um, ideas and technology that maybe isn't from the health system. But from other systems and bringing it into to health. Um, I don't know if you say something about that, Thomas, like how, how you think that's evolved. Yeah, I think beautiful and brilliant. And you can look at it from many perspectives. If you're borrowing even from, uh, and I, some of them I look at it, James, from very simplistic systems, like even the Uber, uh, mm. which is being used globally, which is on demand. But then you borrow the sort of technology and you, and you marry that with the, what I call uh, uh, customer relationship management tools, uh, where if there's somebody doing in private sector, you have a territory to recover, you have a census approach of everybody, you, you know, and you have data analytics around them, you know, mm -hmm. which home am I visiting, who are they seeing, you know, those sort of things. So we've actually married both, both of those, the best from both sides, where they're looking at it from R&D and you can even bring in things behind the scenes. There are components mm -hmm. like uh, artificial intelligence that supports even in, in lifting up what we see on the dashboards, okay? But there are also simple frameworks like the simple workflows, which uh, Dr. Kezia spoke about, which are simple algorithms. And why is this necessary? 
so that every community health worker across the country or across the geography, across the continent, if the diagnosis is, he says, James has malaria, James has malaria. If Kezia says so, you know, otherwise if you leave it, it's gonna, it may be malaria here, it may be cholera the other side, it may be COVID to the third party. So uh, yeah, but, but even that, I think we're moving also progressively with working with that platform and, and infusing even much more. So I'm sure the world now is into things like uh, big data, you know, uh, yeah. And how do you, does that, how do we, or GIS uh, mm -hmm. technology so that we can able to identify the homes where the, these children are, are on. So there's a bit of continuous improvement. We have a framework, but of course we actually in touch with industry globally mm -hmm. so that we're actually having the best being continuously infused to ensure that service delivery is improved as we've gone along. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, Dr. Kizia, what are some of the challenges that you faced in implementing this project? I'm sure it wasn't uh, all easy, even though it uh, sort of looks like it's going really well. What are the kinds of challenges that your team faced? You know, um, I'll be very honest. Um, um, the COVID pandemic really uh, came with the, both its blessings and its curses. So uh, one thing we know for sure is many lives have been lost, people have been affected, both uh, socially and economically, and the impact is massive. But at the same time, uh, we were able to um, make a few changes to our technology, but it, it didn't always come um, as easy as we expected, right? And so we had uh, to very quickly uh, adjust um, the workflows. Basically the workflows are the, the, the tools that the CHWs um, mm -hmm. use uh, to identify um, the, the children at the community level. So as we were doing this, we of course uh, faced um, some challenges in terms of what do we do? How can we uh, um, ensure that essential work continues during this difficult time? And um, how can we then protect the CHWs? So we're faced with those challenges that we had to quickly adjust our tools, be able to have CHWs both provide services in person by ensuring that they had uh, PPE, but also ensuring that they could work remotely. So you can imagine it's not very easy for a CHW mm. to, to work remotely. <laughs> and so these were some of the challenges that we faced so that really helping them to be able to identify um, a sick child while they're calling the mother and working remotely, and then um, telling the mother, okay, this one we can manage, and this one you have to um, send to the health facility for, for, um, mm. for treatment. So much as we were really able to ad adapt and adjust our uh, digital tools very quickly, it wasn't very easy implementing those on the ground. So we, we definitely faced challenges with those, but we're very uh, able to, to help the CHWs through remote uh, supervision and um, basically uh, find ways of, of adjusting and, mm -hmm. yeah, and addressing the challenges, yeah. And Thomas, same questions. What are some of the challenges that uh, from your side? 
Yeah, I, I think it borders, uh, yeah, so because Kezia speaks about adoption, but even before into operationalization also was bringing governments along uh, because, you know, we are working within the government systems. Mm. And, uh, yeah, I remember when COVID struck first, there's a lot of confusion. Do we bring in CWs? Are they going to be more at risk? So a lot of work with, within the advocacy system itself, even have them allow some framework to go on. And uh, Kezia will tell you, in Kenya, for example, we had the... The, there is a devolved structure of governance. So there's sort of 47 governments and people are talking differently. Some let's put CW, some let's not, you know. So we, you know, even getting that common framework and working others with central government so that we can get some aligned framework and then say, this is the way you need to go. And then, then moving to the more innovative process of how do you then leverage di digital? You come from quite different backgrounds. You know, you, Desi, you're a doctor. Thomas, you, your degree, I think, is in biochemistry and then in business. You, it sounds like you've got quite a multidisciplinary team that's been working on this project. How have you found working together with people from these different backgrounds and approaches? Has it been complicated? Do you speak the same language? Has it been, uh, has it been easy maybe, Kezia? So that's a very, very interesting question. <laughs> so I'm one, I'm, <laughs> I'm one person who believes in, in teams very early on in um, my profession. We were taken for a team building. And in that team building, I learned the power of uh, diversity, that everyone has a strength and everyone has a skill. When you bring all these together, your, your strengths, James, are very different from my strengths. My skills and my knowledge are different from yours. Mm -hmm. So if we bring all this together, we, we focus on all our strengths and our skills and listen to each other, then we, the, the sky's the limit. Like you, you can't go wrong with that. But just being able to accept that everyone has their strength and listening to them because sometimes you might think it's your way or the highway, but I see something differently from a different mm -hmm. perspective based on my experiences. I'm like, you know what? We're better off doing it this way. We will probably be more efficient. Mm -hmm. So teamwork and diversity is, is just a wonderful thing. And I definitely enjoy working with Thomas. He's just an awesome person to, <laughs> to work with. He also brings in a very different perspective. And then we we all we have these discussions and then we're like, oh, okay, that's that's it, that's it. So let's find common ground and then move in the right direction. That's amazing. Um, and Thomas, what, what advice do you have for young innovators, entrepreneurs, people who think that maybe they also want to get involved in this movement to bring the power of data and science to, to public health? What kind of advice would you have for someone who's, who's starting out? I think one, I would strongly encourage anyone who's, who's, who wants to jump in and, and bring in something new, because I think though, if I look at the, back my, my earlier statement about the health need, it's big. Yeah. For us to be able to solve it, we need all hands on the deck. So, and I think there's a lot of opportunity, a lot of innovation, you know, that's going on by the day. And really, if you can find the younger, more agile people coming in so that you're actually building on that wealth of knowledge, improving over, over time, it's really going to be great. Mm. Uh, I think a lot of things are happening now, but I shall try and imagine, James, that as we move forward, you know, of course, things like population are increasing. If you look at uh, what I call life expenses is, is increasing, you know, disease burden is increasing. 
finances are diminishing overall, you know, spread across many perspectives, whether they talk about donor, whether they talk about individual finances, there's fragmentation. So I think there's a the higher need for efficiency and, and uh, yeah, a higher need for both efficiency and, uh, and, 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 and quality moving forward. So, so with that, th those two mixes, I think innovation is going to be the power to it, and suddenly the more the merrier. Yeah. Right. And uh, what has being part of the Trinity Challenge meant to you? Like, uh, how have you found this project? Personally, it's been very great. I think being able to inspire uh, organizations like ourselves, uh, or even different actors, to come up with innovative ideas that can be supported and brought to scale. Uh, I think that's part of those, you know, you know, what I call very exciting things that could also be, could also be inspirational in also attracting, in part, back to your earlier question, James, even, mm -hmm. even the younger entrepreneurs who are thinking this is the path to go. Because mm -hmm. then you, you, you know, one, it helps catalyze what I call innovation and talent to move it to the right direction, but in it also gives a, a, a broad framework that, you know, and a, a voice for broader society to also be able to lean in the great work that's going on. Great. And last question to you, Kezia. You know, what's next for uh, Living Goods when you sort of wake up in the morning and you think, oh, okay, I've got five seconds to think about the future. You know, what are the next three, four years look like in an ideal world? Exciting, exciting, exciting is what I can say. So we have uh, just finally completed our new strategic plan. And so we want to reach 8 million people and uh, with, with the community work, reach, uh, support 32,000 community health workers in uh, five countries. And we are really, our prayer is that we'll be able to showcase how important community health work is. And not just community health work, but digitally enabled community health mm. workers, because that brings in efficiency mm -hmm. to the community health work. And so that it's not only the five countries that will benefit, but many other countries are going to say, oh my goodness, look what digitally enabled community health workers can do. Mm -hmm. Let us invest in community work let us bring this uh, digitally enabled CH, uh, CHWs working in our countries so that we can address the health needs, as Thomas has said, the disease burden is increasing, you know, and we have all these uh, preventable deaths that are really happening. So not, we're just hoping not only to impact the five countries we plan to go to, but to impact very many more countries by seeing the, the wonderful work that can be achieved. Well, thank you so much uh, for joining us, Living Goods. The Trinity Challenge is a coalition working to ensure that we're all better prepared against health emergencies by bringing the power of data-driven research and analytics to global health. Do join us for future episodes. We'll be speaking to more of the innovators at the forefront of these efforts. Thank you very much. <laughs>